You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 166. The title of today's show is The Primary Requirement of Leadership. And I'm going to start off, I'm going to read a couple of verses of Scripture. And if you're not a Christian, stay with me because this is actually going to be applicable to anybody in a leadership position, I promise. But uh, some religious leaders came to Jesus. They were trying to trick him and, and, and trip him up and, and get him to say the wrong thing. And they asked him, which commandment was the most important? And, you know, obviously there's ten commandments. And for Jesus to pick one and elevate them against the others would 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 give them a basis to accuse him. But what Jesus did was he went outside the Ten Commandments and he, he said this. He said, the most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then he added a second one, and that's where we're going to be camping out today. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. I'm going to read you a quote, and this is from a book, uh, The Four Dimensions of Extraordinary Leadership, The Power of Leading from Your Heart, Soul, Mind, and Strength. And it's written by Jenny Catron. I think that's how you pronounce her last name. Uh, And she said this, The great commandment has enormous implications for us as leaders. When Jesus asked us to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, he was essentially saying that we should love God with all of ourselves. And if you're a Christian, obviously that's pretty important. When he says love your neighbor as yourself, again, the implication is to love with all of who you are. And so when I consider my life as a leader... It means leading with all of who I am for the benefit of God and others. Leadership requires all of me, my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. To not give all of me would be to shortchange God and others of what God has given me. Now that's a, that's a pretty powerful quote, and you're not going to find anything like that in most leadership books. But I think she's tapped into something here Um, And especially the second commandment that Jesus gave, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And this has enormous implications for those of us that are in leadership positions. But don't go away. We're going to be right back. I just want to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Leading into the 21st Century and Beyond 2.0. You know, this 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 episode, this show uh, of Leading and Learning is brought to you uh, or, or is about leadership. It's, we're going to talk about some important leadership principles. But my book, Leading into the 21st Century and Beyond, is full of practical 
leadership advice. Uh, I rose to be a mid-level manager in a very large police department. I've also been involved in pastoral ministry and leadership for over 30 years. I've been involved in a lot of things. Listen, this is this book is a, a, a really a distillation of a lifetime of leadership learning and experience. And so I encourage you to check it out. The chapters are short. They're immediately actionable. There's a lot of uh, interesting stories, um, some great stuff that you'll be able to take and use, great advice if you're a supervisor, leader, manager, some other type uh, position. But it's also full of great stuff to help you be more productive. We talk about uh, time management, setting goals, and other things that I know that will really help you. So there'll be a link to Leading into the 21st Century and Beyond 2.0 in the show notes. Check it out. Well, we're back, and what I want to do now is I want to give you five thoughts um, on on just kind of making this real. We, we said that when Jesus gave us this second great commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, we said that that has incredible implications for us as leaders. Now, you know, often, and I've worked for him, and I'm sure you have too, the, the the last word that you would describe for your boss, your manager, your supervisor would be loving. Um, and, and we don't want to make this weird, but there is something to be said for working for someone who cares about you. They may not express it as love. They may not even, that word may not even be in their vocabulary as far as their leadership, but if they care about you, if they express care and concern and compassion and, 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 and they treat their people with care, and, and it's obvious that they want to uh, do the best thing for their employees, then what they're doing is they are demonstrating this principle. They're loving their people. They're loving their employees, their subordinates, as they love themselves. And this is this is absolutely vital because we've all worked for those people whose motivation for, for their leadership was fear. Um, you know, you can think of the, the power-hungry boss who um, loves to use that power and, and, and create fear, you know, fear for your job that if, if you don't do things exactly the way they want it done. Um, I've even written blogs called Management by Fear. Um, you know, we've all worked for those kind of people. But how much better is it to work for that person who manages by respect, who manages by concern for their people. Obviously, we're concerned with the bottom line. Obviously, we want our people to produce. Obviously, we want to um, fulfill the goals of, of, of the company and, 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 and keep moving things forward. But at the same time, we have to take care of our people. We have to create an environment where our people want to come to work. Um, you know, one of my supervisors, after I, I first made sergeant, my, my lieutenant told me, he said, listen, our number one resource is, it's our people. It's not our training. It's not all, all the great equipment that we have. It's the people that we have. And so we have to invest in our people. So I want to give you five thoughts on, on how we can kind of play with this, how we can live out this principle of loving our people, loving our subordinates. And if you're in a volunteer setting like a church, loving our volunteers as we love ourselves. Number one, first of all, what do we know about their personal lives? You know, it always amazed me when I was in a, in a managerial role or a supervision role, and I talked to other managers or supervisors, and they would know absolutely nothing about the people that they worked for. 
They had no idea what the guy's wife did or if it was a girl, what her husband did for a living. They had no idea if they had any kids. They didn't know anything about them other than the fact they came to work, and if they did something wrong, they were going to go get on to them. Um, This is not right. We need to know something about the personal lives of the people we work for. We don't have to be buddies. We don't have to know every detail of their lives, but we should know some things. I mean, in casual conversation, hey, what does your wife do for a living? Um, How many kids you got? How old are they? How are they doing in school? These are simple things, and it can't be faked. It's got to be real. It's got to be genuine. But knowing that the boss cares about these things, knowing that the boss is interested in in, in me as a person and my family, goes a long way to creating loyalty among our people. When's their birthday? I mean, sure, you can look it up, but, you know, and, 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 and do you? Have you looked up their birthday, sent them a birthday card, you know? just gone by their cubicle and said, hey, just want to say happy birthday. I hope you have a great day today. Something just to acknowledge what's important to them. So what do we know about their personal lives? Number two, would that employee or would that volunteer feel comfortable coming to you with a personal problem? And you're the only one that can answer this, and you've just got to be kind of ruthless with yourself. Can they or can't they? Would they feel comfortable or would they not feel comfortable coming to you with a personal problem and saying, hey, listen, this is what I'm going through? Um, I remember vividly uh, a female employee coming to me and saying, look, I'm going through a divorce and so I'm you know, dealing with some personal issues and I just wanted to make you aware of it. And it was, she didn't have to do that. And in other settings, she probably wouldn't have. But she felt comfortable enough telling me because she knew that I would care and I would follow up with her and say, hey, look, how's things going? I knew they had a child. and You know, how are they taking it? And so, I mean, this is a traumatic thing, and it's going to carry over into their performance at work. There's no way that it can't. And so it's good for, for us to know. But do they feel comfortable coming and talking to us about something that's personal? Number three, how are you investing in their professional career? I mean, are you just concerned with what they're doing right now? Are you just concerned with the projects they're doing right now for you? Or do you have a bigger picture for their career? You know, sometimes people, and I think this is human nature, sometimes we all kind of get stuck and, and we only see ourselves doing one thing. We only see ourselves at one level. And how powerful is it when our boss, our supervisor, somebody in a position of authority comes and says, you know, I... I could really see you going to another level. I could see you um, getting promoted. I could see you do something, doing something else in the organization. But what are we doing to invest in their professional career? Are we coaching them? Are we giving them good, healthy feedback? And I'm not talking about criticism. There, I'm sure there's a place for that. But I'm talking about good, healthy feedback to help them get better in what they're doing. The, the saddest thing to me is when I see a supervisor or a manager who's scared to offer feedback to an employee or a volunteer because they don't want to hurt their feelings. And sure, some people have thin skin, but we need to be able to offer feedback that's going to help them. And if they trust us, if we've created an environment of trust, they're probably going to accept the fee- going to accept the feedback that we offer and and profit by it. So Let's look for opportunities to coach, and and that's a whole separate lesson. That's a whole separate podcast, but um, 
creating and, and looking for opportunities to coach the people that, that we've been entrusted with and, and helping them um, get better is an important thing that we can do as a leader because it says that we care, not just about what they're doing now. We, we don't just care about the projects that they're on, but we care about them as a person and we value them and we want to see them do well in the rest of their career. Number four, does the employee or does the volunteer have the freedom to share ideas and opinions with us? Now, this is a big deal because some leaders, some managers, some supervisors, some pastors are insecure. And when somebody comes with an idea, a good idea, we're often scared to accept it because we didn't think of it first. And and that insecurity will really end up hurting us. And so we end up shutting people down and go, no, no, we're not going to do it that way. This is the way we're going to go do it. And we need to be willing to listen. Um, Do people have the freedom? Do they they feel comfortable coming and saying, hey, look, I see how we're doing this, this process, but I think there's a better way to do it. And listening to them and examining it and then being willing, being being strong enough to say, you know what, you're right. You're exactly right. Um, I'm so glad you saw that and we'll see what we can do to implement it. Because they're going to go away feeling like a million bucks. They're going to go away saying, you know what, I made a difference. I helped our company or I helped our organization with an idea and they didn't shut me down. They let me bring it. Because the reality is, The good ideas don't always come from the top. In fact, most good ideas come from the bottom of the organization. And, and, you know, we have to be willing and able and strong enough to to receive those good ideas and then to not take credit for them, to be able to, you know, stand that person up in front of all their peers and go, hey, listen, this is the way we're going to do things now because your, your peer, this fellow right here, this girl right here, had such a brilliant idea that now we're implementing it throughout the organization. And then number five, would our subordinates, employees, volunteers, whatever they are, would they say that they feel respected by us? You know, respect is a big thing. Um, You know, coming to work and making good money is important, but coming to work and being respected by your boss, by your peers, um, is also a very, very important thing. Uh, do we create a climate of respect? Um, I mean, look, I've been there, you've been there in the organizations where it's just part of the culture where belittling and gossiping and criticizing is just part of the culture. And obviously, there are moments when you have to coach people, when you have to bring correction. Obviously, that's that's part of life. But it should be done in a controlled environment. And, you know, when, when you've got a manager or supervisor demeaning and putting employees down or talking about employees behind another employee's back, um, you know, that's just, that's just not the way to do it. And, and you know, that shows a lack of respect. And so we should respect our people enough to where if we have a problem with what they're doing, we confront them about it. I don't go talking to another manager about a problem employee um, I may go and get some 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 ideas and some suggestions on how I can correct it, but I'm sure not going to go spreading gossip, and I'm definitely not going to go talk to one of their peers and say, oh, you know what this guy over here is doing. Um, you know, we need to show respect. 
Respect, again, is one of those things that inspires loyalty. When people feel respected and honored and they they know that we have their best interest in heart, they're going to work for us for a long time. Now, let's just recap real quick. We're talking about, and we quoted at the the, the top of the show, we we quoted the passage of Scripture where Jesus said one of the the two great commandments that he gave is we should love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And then we gave five thoughts, five ideas to kind of implement this. Um, Number one, what do we know about our employees or our volunteers' personal lives? Do we know anything? Do we know any things that we can follow up on? Hey, how's your wife doing? Or, you know, I know she just had um, some surgery. Or, you know, how's your, 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 your son doing in school? You said he was having some problems. You know, those kinds of things. Um, do we know when their birthdays are? Do we at least acknowledge that? Number two, uh, would that employee or volunteer feel comfortable coming to you with a personal problem? Number three, how are you investing in their professional career? How are you helping them? Um, it's not enough that they're just doing a good job for you right now, but where do you see them going in the future and how are you helping them to get there? Number four, do they have the freedom to share ideas and opinions with you? Even things that might be sound critical about the organization, but if, if they have an idea that might fix something, we need to be willing to listen. And then number five, would our subordinates whether they're employees or volunteers, would they say that they feel respected? Do we respect them? Are we? Do we respect them enough to confront them when there's something that's wrong, or are we going behind their back and talking to them, talking about them to other people? Do we respect them enough to, um, if we have an issue, to talk to them privately rather than demeaning them in public? So these are important things. Now, I'd love to hear from you, so it's your turn. Go to davidspell.com. Let me know what you think. What did I miss? What are some other ways that we as leaders, those of us in leadership positions, whatever that might be, how can we show love and concern for our employees as we love ourselves? Let me know what you think. And while you're at davidspell.com, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter. I send out three blog posts a week, and subscribing will make sure you don't miss a single issue. Make sure you check out um, the two books, mine, Leading into the 21st Century and Beyond, and also Jenny Catron's, who I quoted from earlier, The Four Dimensions of Extraordinary Leadership. There will be links in the show notes to those. Make sure you check them out. I know you're going to love them. Fabulous resources. And until next time, this is David Spell encouraging you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. 